welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets splintered? You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck and his throat's been Whatever it is that gives the dead the appearance of life. Oh, it is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic, as you say. I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Get me back! Get me back, Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. You just can't let them go. Welcome back, everybody. You are back in the retro blood. James Klein, J.A. Allison, back with some more Dreamland Desires. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. What's happening, J.A. Allison? Oh, not a lot. How you been, man? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. You know, just uh, living my 1987 dream here in February 27th, 1987 pretty crazy month pretty crazy year which we'll be talking about here in a bit yeah this movie came out in february weird huh yeah i mean unlike the other ones the nightmare on street one and two they both came on november releases this one was like february so for a nice little valentine treat you can go see the the dream warriors exactly so I thought this movie was pretty sweet. Um, just a little bit of overview. I mean, this... So I don't know if you got this. So when I was watching this movie, I was thinking, boy, they did not give a shit about that second movie because there was no reference to our boy Jesse. There was no references to Lisa. There was no references to anything that happened in number two. It's like number two didn't even fucking exist. Well, it hasn't taken place yet. Has it taken... Really? Oh, is this one was supposed to be before that one? No, well, okay. So think about it this way. So remember... Yeah. And and Nightmare Two, it takes place five years after the first one, so it's nineteen eighty nine. Okay. But in this movie, they specifically state that it's it's about a year later. Okay. Um, well, actually, maybe they don't specifically state that, state that, but but it's not five years later. I got gotcha. you. Um, so the, technically, I'm. It seems like this movie takes. It, I, it doesn't, as far as their continuity goes. But for us watching it, it looks like it takes place. It seems like it takes place before nineteen eighty nine. But anyway, I mean, Nightmare 3. Yes, Nightmare 3. Now, I can get that, but there is a little, so there is a little continuity issues that I have with that because they said in number two that Nancy went insane is in an insane asylum. Okay. But she wasn't. (laughs) A a little, a little, a little continuity issue. Yes. Yes. Because she wasn't, she was definitely not insane. This, well, she was a little insane this movie, but she was mostly like this, like, supreme character doctor, which we'll get into pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, so, we have a lot to say about that. Oh yeah, and we'll get to that here after we do the history segment for February twenty seventh, nineteen eighty seven. Boy, what kind of, there's a lot of jam packed stuff going on this date. Yes. So, the first thing I found, um, for the rock segment of this was, okay, there was probably a bunch of other rock stuff going on this time, but I had to, I had to, had to talk. Or more about the the, 
the glam bands. I know we talked a little bit about in the second episode, the glam bands. And I'm pretty sure there's some other albums coming on this time. I was trying to figure out what album or what song was kind of hit during this time. I, apparently, there was like some sort of Bon Jovi song going on during this time that was a big hit. Um, we did have um, um, King Diamond did release Abigail. Abigail, yeah. During this time, February 24th, 1987, which was a great album. Uh, we had our, our boy on this date, February 27th, um, is one of your favorite bands, Iron Maiden. We had um, Adrian Smith's birthday is on this date. Yep, the great Adrian Smith. And we also had a track released by Poison during this time called Talk Dirty to Me. Came out on February oh, 18th, 1987. So a couple rock uh. stuff going on. You're not a big Poison fan? No, I'm not. I'm you know you know me. I am not a fan of glam rock really. Yep. And like you can really tell like you can, if you watch if you listen to the glam rock from like 1985 and then the then listen to Talk Dirty to me, you can just see how watered down and weak and shitty that it become. Yes. It just became like a corporate like you know, it was it was basically anything that was special about it was over by then. Um but there was I so now we're moving through history enough that I do specifically remember this. Um, so I do specifically remember this movie coming out. Like I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. I do remember this movie coming out. And I do remember around this time was the first time, like over the past year was the first time, like I had discovered my own music. Cause before this, I pretty much just listened to whatever my older cousins listened to, you know, like ACDC and like classic rock and stuff like that. But around this time, like I was starting to discover um, my own music, like Iron Maiden, I pretty much discovered around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then newer bands that were starting to come out, like Anthrax is Among the Living came out that year. And I was, so I started listening to, you know, Anthrax, I started listening to Slayer. Um, over the last year, I discovered Metallica, so I was listening to Master of Puppets around this time. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I do specifically remember this, and I remember this movie coming out. Yeah, so this, um, I didn't, obviously, I didn't see this movie when it came out the first time, but when it comes to Nightmare on Elm Street, this was the first one I've ever watched. I definitely remember that. And like when you I, watched it before the first one? Yes. Wow, so that must have been crazy. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, a little backstory. I said this um, a little while ago on some of my older podcasts, but the way I got into horror movies it was probably around like 1998 and I was living in uh, Florida at the time and they had this channel called UPN. I mean, I, I, they might have had it around this area too at the time. But I'm not sure if they did. Uh, it was the UPN and they would do every October, they would do a, a horror movie marathon. Kind of like how AMC does it now where they would show a bunch of horror movies like constantly throughout the whole month. Yeah. Um. So I remember as a kid, like... Just randomly one day when I wasn't watching like a wrestling program, I left it on UPN and I remember seeing like Leprechaun. I remember seeing Halloween for the first time and I remember seeing this movie and I just got, that's when I fell in love with a lot of horror movies was during that time while I'm watching them all on UPN's uh, Halloween Horror Month. So I definitely remember seeing like this movie during it because a lot of the scenes when I was watching it brought back a lot of memories. So yeah, I definitely watched this one first out of all of them. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I didn't really know what was going on with the storyline. I just liked all the, the creepy parts during it. So, it wasn't until later on where I watched some of the, the, uh, the other ones during that time. But, speaking of some great music 
during this time. Do you know that this movie has one of the best songs to it? And I think you know where I'm going. The Dream Warriors. Yes, the Dream Warriors by our boy, Duncan. Duncan, yeah. Duncan. I always screw up his name. Don Duncan. Don Duncan, yeah. From his band, from his band Duncan. From his band the, Duncan. Yeah. So this song actually came out a couple of days before the movie. It came out February 10th, 1987. And so at the time, I didn't know this, but at the time when I was watching this movie, I was like, holy shit. Our, our girl over here, um, Kristen is listening to Into the Fire. She's an NWA power fan. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> because Don Duncan also released Into the Fire, which is obviously was on the NWA power that came out a couple years ago here on YouTube. So I thought that was pretty pretty cool. little background of some of the wrestling nowadays um, backstories with this. Um, so... This movie, this this track was also released on um, the the Dawkins Back from the Attack album that came out. No, and, not Into the Fire. No, not, not not Into the Fire, but the Dream Warriors. Yeah, Dream Warriors was. Yeah, yeah. Into, Into the, the Fire, Fire was a couple years old by that point. Yeah, yeah. So that was like one of his first albums that came out during this time. Yeah. And uh, so these guys, have you seen the video for the Dream Warriors? Oh yeah. So this video oh, yeah. is fantastic as well. It it is fantastic. So I give these guys, I mean, they're, they're in the house, everything's singing, they're freaking just rocking it out and stuff. So like I said, like, I have a little bit of a sweet spot for some of these glam bands. But, you know, during this time, though, I definitely would have checked out that King Diamond CD, Abigail, during this particular time. But it is kind of cool to have, like, a, a really good, like, theme song connected with this movie. And so, of course, that's actually one of the most popular songs. They, they play it live all the time as well, too. And also, too, for you know, any of your fans that want to do a little bit more research on Duncan, um, we actually, I found out during my research, he actually, last year, he released a bunch of rare tracks. Um, um, you can find them on, like, Apple Music and stuff, uh, a, lot of, a lot of lost tapes that he had from his band. And also, he has a pretty good interview with Chris Jericho on his podcast as well. So, a little bit more yeah. wrestling tie-ins over there. Yeah. Do you like, uh, do you like Duncan? So I'm not super familiar. I wasn't super familiar with them, but I really did like the song, and I really do like Into the Fire. So it's I actually don't, I actually think he actually is pretty talented. Yeah, hmm. I mean I like um, I like Dokken a lot actually, um, especially the Back for the Attack album, which is the uh, album the Dream Warriors would come out on. Yeah, um, I like George Lynch. I think he's a hell of a guitar player. Like that guy's just fucking incredible. And you know, yeah. and like they were just you know dealing with like the Zeitgeist at the time. You know, they were just dealing with like. You know, this is what music was like at the time. So this is why they have all those tropes, if you will, of like, yep. you know, 80s glam metal. But I mean, they were really good. They were really, really good. Uh, Dream Warriors is a good song. I mean, Into the Fire is a good song. Yep. Uh, but yeah, if you listen to Back uh, Back to the Attack, uh, the song Kiss of Death is really, really good. Really heavy. I mean, for the, for the time, especially when you compare that to Talk Dirty to me, it's super heavy. But yeah. But anyway, yeah. So Dokken, I do like Dokken. Yeah, I mean, I think they're super talented, too. So I was listening to a couple of their tracks and stuff. I got them on my playlist. So, you know, definitely check them out if you haven't. I mean, I would definitely be rocking this in February 27, 1987. And where I'd be headed during this time, you say, John? Well, I'd be heading, I'd be heading to a WWE or WWF at the time, Superstars of Wrestling tape 
taping that had that happened on February 28th, 1987. He'd be rocking the docking on the way to the WWF Superstars taping. Oh yeah, and this taping is a good one as well too. So. <laughs> It's crazy how, like, you know, last episode we had of uh, Nightmare on Street 2, we had a really, really, like, fantastic episode of WWE Saturday Night. This taping was freaking great, too, because this was the build-up to WrestleMania 3, with, of course, um, Andre versus Hulk Hogan in that very famous match they had um, at the Dome. So, uh, this, yes. so this one, this episode had their famous contract signing during this episode. Which were they were in the two room, uh, and they were signing the contract, and Hogan was just staring a hole through Andre the whole time, sweating and freaking. He couldn't uh, keep control of himself, just shaking the whole time. And then uh, Andre was signing it with Bobby Heaton taunting him. That was one of the great segments. If you guys have never seen it before, you can check it out. I'm pretty sure you can check it on Peacock over there. But it is a very, very great segment. Um, so some of the matches we had on here, we had. Billy Jack Haynes versus King Kong Bundy with Bobby Heenan. And, of course, King Kong Bundy takes over the win. Uh, we have... So, this on this time, we were also having the feud with George the Animal Steel. This is when he was obsessed with Elizabeth at the time. And, of course, Randy Savage was being a crazy dick uh, to Elizabeth this whole time as well, too. So, we're kind of building up. Because um, it was weird during the build-up. For um, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, uh, Georgie Animal Steel was like very in the middle of everything as well. Yes. So we have another couple of thoughts from this show too. We have the Honky Tonk Man on there with Jimmy Jimmy Hart. So we got to see a promo by him uh, beating up some people. Um, we have some more um, hype when it comes to WrestleMania 3 where the Killer Bees were hyping their match against uh, Sheik and Nikita Koloff. Uh, so we have a little bit of, we had a, a Kamala match versus Kim, oh, Kamala and Kim Chi. All right. Uh, they were, they're facing some jobber named David. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't even have a last name. Doesn't even have a last name. It's just some David guy. Um, we also get <clears throat> a Piper's Pit on this, on this particular show as well with his guest, Tino Santana and the British Bulldogs. Um, but before the guests came out, Piper was hyping his match with uh, uh, Adrian Adonis. And, of course, it was going to be that hair versus hair match as well, too. So, of course, the Bulldogs are out there and Santana are out there. And they were getting a lot of the, you know, how Piper was. He would just, like, talk trash to everybody during this time. Um, then we get more of the WrestleMania 3 report with Gene Okerlund going over the Jake the Snake Roberts versus Honky Tonk match. Uh, with Jake's having Alice Cooper in his corner. So, we get a little bit more of a rock reference going on this time. So, and then we have the Dream Team and Adrian jo- Adrian Dallas versus Dino Bravo and Leaping Lanny Pavo. Pavo. So, yep. Randy Savage's brother. Randy Savage's brother. And then we get a little bit more action. Uh, and yep. And then that was like, that's pretty much the main event. Um, we also had Beefcake slams Martel, and he goes after Adonis, and we have Brutus the Barber Beefcake making the save and backing up his guys during the show, too. So, you know, definitely like a lot of 80s WWF action. Not a too bad of a show. I mean, obviously, this is the the build-up towards WrestleMania 3, so I, I sound like a pretty solid show during this time. Um, 
Yeah, so what did we have on WrestleMania 3 that year? Since we're talking about the big shows, let's talk about that and, uh, like, Great American Bash. Yeah. So what, was the, what did we have on uh, on WrestleMania 3 other than Hogan and Andre, which lasted about uh, not long? Yeah. Wow, so, so this is, here it says here it lasted 12 minutes, which I find hard to believe. That has to include their intros. Yeah, pretty much everything. It's actually, I mean, obviously the, the main attraction of that year's WrestleMania was Andre, I mean, Hogan. Uh, the the match that gets the most recognized is the Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat match yep, for the internet contest. Match of the night for sure. Yeah, and then we just got a couple other ones. We, like we got like um, Roddy Piper versus um, Adrian Adonis. We got the Bulldogs on their show as well too. Um, I don't have the full card in front of me, but it was a pretty solid WrestleMania. Obviously, this is like their biggest indoor attendance that they that they had. So this is like really when WrestleMania was like, you know getting to his mainstream this also we had alice cooper on the show with jake the snake roberts yeah so we had a lot a lot of a lot of stuff going on during, during this particular time so it's just pretty crazy to think like okay i can go out there i can gosh i can watch the dream warriors all right see this freaking exactly. freddy getting terrorized by these kids and stuff and then i can go and see a wf superstar taping with freaking ratty piper beating up a bunch of people for while listening to our boy duncan I was like, okay, I can, I can, yeah, I can get into this February uh, month. You know what I mean? I can get the Trans Am out. I can get the the mullet out during this time. You know what I mean? With the with the stash, oh, yeah. not not oh, the yeah, whole beard, the just the stash going on at this time. So, anything you want to say? Any history that you found up during uh, February twenty seventh, nineteen eighty seven? Uh, I mean, not February in particular, but I was gonna say that the. Great American Bash from NWA or from uh, Crockett Promotions that year was uh, they they took place on different days in different cities and then and, and it was like a tour and then like some of the main events of that were um, you had um, Dusty Rhodes versus um, Tully Blanchard I believe in mm-hmm. a lights out barbed wire match for a hundred thousand dollars. Um, so that would have been, uh, that would have been really cool to see, uh, at Memorial Stadium in Charlotte and then, um, Road Warriors versus the Four Horsemen, which had Lex Luger at the time, which I never knew that existed. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Lex Luger. Yeah. He was in there for a little bit. Yeah. And then the, their other partner was, uh, um, uh, what did he go by at the time? Crap. It just left my mind. The War Machine. The War Machine? I believe that's what he went by at the time. I'm trying to look it up now. Um, but anyway, it was Ray Trailer, so it was the big boss man underneath the mask. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know he went by uh, Big Bubba Rogers. Yeah, for so this would have been, I guess, after he was Big Bubba Rogers, maybe? Because I know pretty soon after, after he was Big Bubba Rogers, he goes to the WWF as Big Boss Man. Is this when he was done with that run, or...? Um, that I'm not really sure. I don't know. I can't, I don't know exactly when he went and became the boss man the first time. Um, I know that I first saw him as Bubba Rogers. Um, and well, actually this is weird. So I'm looking it up now. So the, um, bash tour on July the 4th, 1987, he wrestled as big Bubba Rogers. Yeah. Um, and then, on the on the thirty first in Miami, he wrestled as the War Machine. Uh, hmm. So the Road Warriors, two different Dusty gimmicks. Rose and Nikita and Nikita Koloff versus the Four Horsemen, 
which consisted that night of Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, and Tully Blanchard, and then War Machine came out with them. Was this a War Games match? That was a War Games match, yes. Hmm. To be honest with you, I probably would have wanted to see that show more than this oh, uh, than Superstar thing. Yeah. No. Oh, or yeah. even more than WrestleMania 3. Well, I don't know. So, so let's see. I'm going to try to take myself in this picture right now. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've been to a WrestleMania before. I went to that WrestleMania, I think it was like 32 or something in Dallas. The one they had in Dallas at the AT&T um, Stadium. And when I went there, I mean, it's just as big as the one that they had in, during the Silver Dome um, during WrestleMania yeah. 3. So the thing about that, the atmosphere is great. It's huge. You get, to, you get to see a bunch of like, you know, big time matches and stuff. But, you know like a freaking war games match in a smaller arena with the passion and energy that you guys beating himself down. That'd have been really hard to miss. You know Yeah, I mean? no, I agree with you. I'm just surprised you would say that because, but yeah, I would much rather see that war games match. And then the lights out barbed wire match for a hundred thousand dollars. And I would rather see what we would get out of, uh, Hogan and Andre. Yeah. So I'm thinking like um, if I actually, to be honest, if I had to pick between the two, I probably would have went to that, uh, war games match. But yeah. it would have been it would have been very tempting going to that WrestleMania because it was so legendary. You know? Yeah, but it's le- but like you were saying, like you're the attendant or the size of your show was about the same size. Honestly, your show was probably larger because because it was in uh, thirty two. That was in the Dallas uh, Cowboys football stadium. Yeah, they, I think it's the AT and T stadium or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, probably actually larger because the number that we get for attendance for. The Silver Dome, that's a work number. That wasn't that's not a shoot number. That that they weren't really that many people there. Yeah. Well, I mean, to the, the counterpart, you know, I was talking about that, you know, before I went so during the during this time during WrestleMania, obviously there was a bunch of shows going on at the time, you know, not just WWE shows, but like all kind of different promotion. But yeah. from my own experience during that time, I had more fun at the NXT takeover show that was in like this um um, kind of like a uh, an event center that was downtown. Uh, I had more fun at that show than I even had at WrestleMania. So WrestleMania for the actual experience and being there and seeing all the massive crowd and a couple of the stars come out and stuff, it was great. But like where I was sitting, and everything I could barely see any of the matches. Like you had to watch the screen the whole time, and you know it's a big house crowd, so not everybody's gonna be in sync at that NXT show. Everybody was in sync. People were going crazy. The matches were fantastic. I was in a pretty great seat. I could see all the action when I was looking at no dumb screen. And I just, I particularly like the actual smaller arenas because you get a little bit more feel to it. So that's why, you know, going to that WCW show you just brought up with the War Games match would have been a lot more exciting than probably even going to the WrestleMania just because of the actual experience there. Now, the shows could be a lot different on TV, obviously, but the actual live experiences could be a lot more intimate. At that WCW one. Probably. So, speaking of intimate, let's get into Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Wow, yeah. So, what do you think of this one? So, this one, I actually really liked it. So, yeah, me too. So, my, a couple of my quick thoughts from the movie was, first of all, I was like, okay, we're not thinking about number two anymore. Those characters are gone. We are back now with the Nancy character and and her trying to help all these kids who can't sleep. And I liked it where they had these kids in a medical hospital 
uh, with the real medical issue that actually happens with a lot of you know kids or like different um, people where they can't sleep. They have trouble sleeping because they either think something's going to get them or they just have a mental issue where they can't sleep at all. So I like right. them bringing in that realistic type of feel to the movie. Yeah. So yeah. So like they're you know they're all suffering from night terrors and they all have these issues where they can't sleep. Yes. And I did like, uh, so Freddy during this movie too did have a lot of great, like, just like one-liners. I mean, he was like pretty creepy during the whole film. So I definitely had a lot more enjoyment of this movie. Now, this movie definitely was a lot more fast-paced though than number two or even number one. I'm going to talk about it. It was like, boom, 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 boom. Let's get this going. So, but, and this also too is where we actually learned a little bit more backstory about the actual Freddy Cougar character himself as well. Yes, they had more... Uh more mythology like we had in the first movie, which is probably because Wes Craven wrote, helped write the story for this or helped develop the story for this. Yes. But, you sense. know, but yeah, it had, it definitely had more Freddy Krueger mythology, uh, built, you know, built on the first movie. So, um, so Allison, did you get the wrestling tie in to this movie? There's two of them and they both happen really? at the beginning scene. I'll let you know what they are. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. Okay. So th- let's start off the movie. So we see the character Kristen. Okay. And she's making like paper mache houses and stuff. And obviously we're seeing at this time, whenever she's done kind of making her paper mache house, it's obviously the house that Allison was, in. I mean, uh, it was the house that Nancy lived in and it's the house of Freddie. And then she turns on into the fire, which is obviously a, NWA reference to nowadays for NWA oh, power. But right. did you know that the um, the the actress who played Christian? Uh, do you know who that was? Yes, yeah, Patricia Arquette. Yes, Patricia Arquette. She is the brother of a former WCW World Heavyweight Champion, David Arquette. Yeah, I try to wipe that out of my mind. So they oh, and it's also death match. Uh, Deathmatch King David Arquette as well too. Uh-huh. Yeah, the man had almost got murdered by Nick Gage. Yes. Yes. So we actually we are, in the first beginning scene we have two wrestling tie-ins. Bam! Right back to back. I was like, damn, this movie's starting off hot. <laughs> I was like, damn. All right. So we see the the Kristen character. She, I guess I, I guess she's already been having some dreams about Freddie during this time. But so the mom comes in. And the mom wants her to go to sleep. And we can already tell that uh, this Christian is kind of like in a rough household because the mom is single. She obviously brings home a lot of men. I thought it was pretty funny with the guy in the background. Hey, where do you keep the bourbon? In the background. Yeah. And then eventually she goes to sleep. And then we get a little bit more of her, the, the Freddy interaction. She wakes up and then she gets attacked by her bathroom. So I thought that was a pretty cool scene. So now we're kind of establishing that this girl is going to be one of our main characters. And we're also establishing that we have a little bit more money for this one. So we can do a little bit more effects. Because this movie definitely had a lot more um, effects with like Freddy taking over different objects in this movie. He takes over all kinds of shit in this movie. Yes. So this is when we get the scene of we see the mother coming in because she hears um, Kristen screaming in the bathtub, and we see that the 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 handles are not really um, so the handles were attacking her in her dream part, but what the mom sees is a razor blade in Kristen's hand and with her wrist slit. So because of this, we bring her to 
a hospital that helps out uh, troubled teens who can't sleep and who will harm themselves from from trying not to sleep as well. Um, did you see who the Max character was? The Max character? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. So that's Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. I was like, Morpheus. holy shit, Morpheus is in this movie, and this guy, like, he, this had to be like one of his first movies, because this guy looks way different now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's a lot, he was a lot younger than, yeah. but yeah, he, um, but yeah, his, yeah, he was in uh, Apocalypse Now, you know, and I think he just had a lot of minor parts. This was probably one of the bigger early parts that he had, but I did not, I did not really remember that he was in this, but it's yeah. weird to think that Lawrence Fishburne would be in a Nightmare on the Street movie. I know. It was, um, it, yeah. It also... And I was going to say, it also had Jennifer Rubin in it, which is one of her early roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would go on to have other uh, horror. She was also in Bad Dreams like a year or two later, which is a similar concept to Freddy Krueger, if you've never seen it. Maybe we'll cover that later on as we go. Nice. So, yeah, um, he was also in uh, the Hannibal TV series. You ever seen that? I haven't watched that. It's great. Everybody check it out if you haven't seen it. The Hannibal TV series. You can probably find it on Netflix and stuff. He plays Jack on there. Um, so this is also when we start meeting some of the characters in the hospital himself. We meet the doctor. His name is Neil. And we meet the um, the other doctor. who Her name is uh, Simons. Um, and they are like the two main doctors. The two main physicians of this particular hospital. And they are there to treat these kids um, to make sure that they can sleep properly and kind of diagnose them at the time. And then we start meeting some of the characters. There's a lot of characters in this in this movie. I mean, we have like a ton of kids. We have, we, we see uh, the, the um, Jennifer, the blonde hair girl who wants to um, be an actress. We, yeah. say, we see Will, who's the wheelchair guy. Um, we see my boy, Kincaid, who is just like one of the best characters because he didn't give a fuck during the whole movie. Um, we see Philip, my boy who has a lot of wet dreams all the time. And we're just establishing all these characters and, and kind of like how they are during this time. And why they're there. And why they're there. Also during this time, the doctor, Neil, is talking about this new hotshot that just, um, got herself hired, like an intern, got got herself hired onto this staff and she's very, very knowledgeable when it comes to dreams and helping the uh, dreams and stuff. And he's like a little worried about her because he doesn't like all these hot shots coming in here and stuff. And we find out yeah. that that hot stop character is, of course, Nancy from the first film. Right. Who is like way different <laughs> in this film that she is, than she is in the... Uh, she kind of... Um, she's basically playing like the strong female lead type of character she kind of reminded me a little bit of how like they do um laurie strode now like the she was kind of innocent in the first one very innocent but then after this traumatic experience she's like she's like a like a fighter now she's like stronger now yeah um, like i did not remember like like i was you know like i haven't seen these movies maybe since most of them were new so or newish but i did not remember that nancy was in this movie so that was actually a surprise for me oh yeah and that was kind of cool it was kind of cool to see her walk through the one thing i thought was really weird and i mean i'm not an expert on um, uh, psychiatry or psychiatric hospitals or doctors or how any of this works but they describe her as an intern therapist is that a thing like do they let interns do therapy i mean i'm not exactly sure either that may be a question out there for our doctor graduates and stuff, but 
I mean, I assume like you can when you're doing your intern. Like, I don't know if they let let her like talk to the patient on her own, but I assume like she could probably be in the room with a particular doctor and maybe right. get some notes and stuff during that time. But I don't know because in this movie, she, she was just like trying to take over most of the time, you know, when it comes to her ideas. Um, well, yeah, because that's because she's familiar with Freddie, though, and she realizes that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. And then also during this time, too, we have the relationship with Nancy and, and um, Neil. And I thought for sure they were going to hook up by the end of this film, but they never did. Because we were getting a little sexual tension between the two. At least I thought. Exactly. Right? So they, they start talking to kind of get to know each other. And then the, the doctor, Neil, saw that Nancy dropped some pills out from her purse. Which, I'm not sure if this is like a real pill or not. I'm pretty sure I got the right name. Like like this hyper, hyper dosage pill or something. So apparently yeah, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a real thing. I mean, I think yeah. there are uh, there are. I mean, I don't know, but um, I, I think that there are. Uh, you know, there are pills that can suppress like REM sleep, but I don't know. If, I don't think this is a real pill, though. Yeah. So this pill, I'm pretty sure, it was made for the movie, and this pill is supposed to be where you can control your dream. Where I guess if you needed to wake up at a certain time, you can, or something like that. So it was like this experimental like sleep format that they had. So the doctor was kind of doing some research on it to figure out, you know, what was this pill all about. And this is also too where we meet um, Neil um, sees um, Sister Mary, the nurse, the ghostly nurse that was throughout this whole movie. Yes. So we also get a little bit more scenes of we're starting to establish the Christian character um, of why she's there. And um, also, too, we're starting to establish, like, the mom as well, too. Like, the mom's kind of like one of those girls that just, like, drops her daughter off, take care of her, and I'm going to be out of here type of deal. So we also get a little more established. Uh, we have a lot of these, like, group sessions with all the kids. And this is when we kind of meet more of their characters. Um, the Philip guy, he's kind of like a kind of like a little bit of a smart-ass kind of character saying, like, you know, I... I it's kind of like he's trying to be like the bad boy of the group, I guess you would say, for this guy. Uh, Kincaid's kind of like that uh, smart mouth type of dude, where like he's just gonna, you know, like it, they ain't gonna attack me or anything. Will's kind of like the nerdy guy in the wheelchair. Uh, Jennifer's the, the blonde girl who wants to be an actress, and then we got the punk rock girl uh, Tina. So we got all these like kids established during this time, and they're just going over some of their dreams, and you know kind of building some of their personalities during this time. Uh, John, did you have a favorite kid character during this movie? Uh, well, I love Patricia Arquette. Yeah. So she was definitely my favorite character, but but I also love Jennifer Rubin too. So I, she, they're, they're my two favorite characters in this movie so far. Yep. I would say so. Yeah, I'd probably say her and then the guy who played Kincaid was probably my characters. Um, although the guy was pretty... I mean, he definitely had a bunch of one-liners and stuff, but I just thought his character was pretty pretty funny. So, during this time, um, some of the kids are starting to, like... Um, so, Christian, we see her, like, drawing Freddy's house, and they're kind of... We're establishing that each of these kids have, like, some attachment to Freddy. This is where they're sitting around with Nancy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she says, you're the last of the Elm Street kids. Well, that comes a little bit later, but okay. during this time, we're, we're kind of establishing some of like the, the different characters. So during this time, uh, 
we're we're going over with like uh, Nancy. She's like seeing some Freddies in her dream again. She's like writing, um, drawing the house because she keeps remembering this house that she keeps bringing up the whole time. And um, some of the kids are going on about some of their bad dreams that they've been having. And then the nurse, the Simon's nurse, are just she is explaining that these dreams are not like just some crazy character coming after them. They're they're like uh, upset. They're like they're like nightmares. They're like because of their their guilt of themselves or like their sexual uh, tension to themselves and stuff. So we're kind of getting the, the uh, this Simon character really doesn't really know what's going on with them. Um, so then we get a scene of our Will, uh, Joey, and, and Tina playing some 80s game during this time. And uh, Tina leaves the room and we have... some 80s game. They're, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Or, Are they playing you know, Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, or like what an equivalent of that would be. Like okay. I'm sure that they, you know, they, they, it's not actual Dungeons and Dragons because they didn't buy the rights to that, but that's what they're doing. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so Will, he's like really good at it because he's just a sort of wizard character, which that will come in a little later. So during this time, uh, uh, Joey is about to be falling asleep. And then Joey is in the room with Kincaid. All right, and then we have, all right, so we have Will and Philip in the room playing their Dungeons and Dragons. And we have Joey and we have Kincaid in the other room. So... Will and Philip are the smart kids where they have Philip um, have uh, watch out for Will when he sleeps. So he's on guard. In the other room, Kincaid and Joey, they're like, fuck it, we're just both going to go to sleep. So during this, we have the doll on the wall. Like one of those doll dolls you would grab with your hands and kind of do tricks with. What do you call those things? Um, like a puppet? I... Uh, a marionette, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, like a marionette-style yeah. puppet. Yeah. And I thought right. this was pretty cool. So that that puppet, not puppet, that puppet turns into Freddy. All right. So we have him turn into Freddy. Then he turns into a full version of Freddy. He grabs Philip, and he starts chopping him down. And then he he basically takes Philip's organs and makes them into those marionette-style puppets. And he's having them uh, walk through the whole asylum. Which I thought this part was pretty cool. He's just walking. It's kind of creepy. Eventually, uh, some of the kids noticed that. Uh, I think it was Will. He noticed that. Uh, or it was uh, uh, Philip that noticed. Or it was Joey. Sorry. Joey that noticed Philip was on top. It was about to jump. He starts screaming. Everybody starts freaking out. And they actually see Philip jump off. And he jumps to his death during this time. Yeah. Because he's... Um you know, he's marionetting him with or puppeteering him or whatever you want to say with the veins from his arms, which is pretty, pretty painful looking. Yeah. It definitely pretty effect. crazy. Yeah. It was a really was great a good effect. Yeah. And then also like the effect too, before he jumped, like we saw like this, like huge Freddy in, in like the sky, like holding him up like a puppet and then cutting the, cutting the cords and then he just falls off. I thought that scene was pretty cool too. So yeah, we also, this whole thing looked really good. It looked really good. Yeah, so we're kind of like establishing during this time that Freddy is back haunting people in their nightmares now. He's not trying to take over anybody's body to come out to the real life land. He's trying to establish himself to being only a dream killer during this time. Exactly like he was in the first movie. Exactly. They're like, fuck that second movie. We don't want to pay attention to that thing. We're just going to do this one right here. So we have a funeral during this time. Um... So, obviously, Neil and the Simons think that um, Joey's death was a 
uh, suicide. And the kids were thinking it's not really a suicide. Nancy's not really thinking it's a suicide. It's probably had something to do with like this Freddy monster that's haunting their dreams. But of course, the Neil and Simon's they wanted to believe that. This is also when we get another interaction with um, Neil and the ghost sister during this time as well. Okay, so this is also too when we get more. So this is when we get Nancy and we get um, Neil having dinner together. And this is when we get the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 backstory of Nancy. A little different than number two. So her backstory in this movie is her mother died in the living room and uh, Nancy and the dad drifted away. So Nancy did not go to some insane asylum. She did not freak out about uh, her boyfriend being killed next door. She actually grew to be a uh, a well-respected lady <laughs> and a well-respected doctor um, who is being an intern who is now going to be fighting Freddy instead of being afraid of him. Right. So. Well, she's in graduate school, I think they say. Yes. So, you know, so this is essentially, I don't know, a few years later, I guess. So, yeah, so she went to college and became a graduate psychiatry student. Yes. So she, uh, very different than her backstory was in number two. So they're also talking about, so Nancy wants to experiment on these kids with her new experimental drug. Neil's not comfortable with it because he doesn't trust all these new experimental drugs and he thinks it's going to be a bad idea. So they're kind of having like a back and forth of not agreeing how to actually properly treat these kids. So this is also too when we get uh, another group meeting and they talk about Philip's death and him not being uh, strong enough. That's what Kincaid's saying. So they're all kind of going back and forth and we're kind of building like the different personalities throughout these uh, these kids as well. And the biggest thing is um, the the doctor, Simons, is trying to tell all these kids that um, it's not, he did not get killed by a, a killer in his dreams. He got killed because he was suicidal and he was not getting out of the rest and that's why he killed himself and the kids were going back and forth so we see a lot of the tension between them too so the kids know that there's like this creature out there they don't know about freddy yet but they know that this creature is out there trying to kill them in their sleep so a lot of them are kind of freaked out and they don't really have a lot of backing between the two doctors um nancy is trying to help them out but she can't break through that glass yet because she's just an intern at the time Yes, not a real doctor. Yes, not a real, yes. Almost there. (laughs) So this is when we get the Jennifer TV scene, which probably is one of the most famous death scenes, I would say, in horror history. What do you think about that one? Well, that might be a little bit extreme, but yeah, it is pretty, it is pretty, uh, um, it is pretty famous. I'd say uh, Welcome to primetime, bitch, or whatever he says. Yes, you got it. So she's there watching some TV. Max comes in, says, hey, we need you to get out of here. She doesn't want to leave because she needs to stay awake. And she thinks watching TV is going to stay, have her stay awake. And I was yeah, like, she, we all know that doesn't work. Exactly. I was like, she better not turn on Monday Night Raw because that would definitely. <laughs> that would she'll definitely, be asleep in 15 seconds. 15 seconds. So she starts watching some like talk show um, with this girl like this older lady who has like a big fur jacket and she was like talking about her fur jacket. I was like, how can you watch this without going to sleep? This is like a segment you would see on raw. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a that's yeah. You're right. Huh. That's exactly like that's a raw angle, right? That's there. a raw angle. And then yeah, she 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 burns herself with a cigarette. And right, the next thing away. we know, we see Freddie talking to the thing on the TV. Says it doesn't matter what you say, bitch. And then she sees the TV scattering. And of course, she goes up to the TV. The TV grabs her, pushes her into the TV. And now Freddie says, "Yes, you're in time, prime time now, bitch." So I thought this scene was great. And then we have Max coming in saying, oh, fuck. I fucked up. So this Max guy, like, he he was a, uh, like, a, a, like a cool nurse and everything, but he, he was definitely a pushover. Like, if somebody, like, said, like, hey, please, can I do this? If he said, like, please, can I do this twice? He'd be like, oh, yeah, fuck it, whatever. I don't, I don't get paid, like, fucking $7.25 an hour. I don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he's he comes across as, like, he's the cool orderly, right? Yeah. Like, he, he likes the kids, and he wants to – he wants – he wants them to have better lives than, than they're, you know, than they're placed under in the psychiatric hospital. But everything that he does kind of turns against what he, what he's trying to do. Yeah, and he never gets in trouble for it too. Like, did you notice that? Like, he let her stay in there, get killed, not a problem. Uh, he let later on he lets Nancy come into the room so they can do their dreams, not a problem. Like he just like fuck it, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't get in yeah, trouble like, around yeah, here. Yeah, right. Like he, like, like one of his students literally died on his watch, but there's yeah. no like accountability for that at all. Yeah, and like he brings it up himself. Like, yeah, I don't want. I got these kids dying on my watch. I shouldn't do it. And she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and Nancy's like, well, please just let me in. He's like, oh fuck it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, like he tries to stop her you yeah. know, at first, and he's like, but all these kids are dying, and I don't know what to do. Every time, every time I work, these kids die. <laughs> like. Like shouldn't maybe he should be they should should go on some kind of like suspension or something I don't I don't know maybe yeah. maybe there should be an investigation is all I'm saying. So we get another funeral. This one is for Jen during this time. Um, this is when we get the name of the nurse, Sister Mary. At the time, this is the uh, the ghost nurse spirit. And of yep. course, she's doing all her religious stuff that we see out the film until too. And we find more about the backstory with hers, which I. I thought it was pretty interesting with her backstory. I mean, I, I like once she once she like showed up and we knew she was a ghost. I was like, okay. And, and then actually, to be honest with you, once she went over her backstory, I knew exactly who this character was. Right. Yeah. And we'll talk about that here pretty soon. So this is also too when we get in there. And see, this is when I for sure thought Nancy and Neil were gonna hook up because they're both at Nancy's apartment or something or house, and Nancy's talking about her dream doll. And they're just looking at each other. And I was like, okay, we're going to have an 80 sex scene. And then, no, it just kind of just goes off. So I guess, like, they didn't want to do, like, a like a relationship scene with these two characters. They just wanted them to be, like, good friends during this time. And Colleagues, yes. Yeah, good colleagues. So the, the, the gist of this was Nancy finally convinced Neil to um, try out this experimental drug on these kids to see, to show them what, what this real Freddy Krueger character was all about during this time. So we get another session. This is a secret session. All right, maybe uh, maybe a session nine, huh? Remember? Maybe, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, was a, that was an okay one. Anyway, so we get this secret session with with the kids. Um, so during this time, uh, they are first like they didn't want to do the session. They they the kids are kind of getting fed up during this time, saying it's not like us being like sexually oppressed or something or being like guilting and stuff. Um, this is like you know, this is like our, our, this is some crazy dude in our dream trying to kill us. And eventually Nancy breaks to him and she was like, Hey, I know who this guy is. It's Freddie. And he's like, who the fuck is this Freddie guy? And then that's when they go on to 
that's when she um, describes who Freddie is, this burnt guy with the sweater and everything. And then this is when she says, you guys, the reason he's killing you guys is because you guys are the last kids on the Elm Street. So, yeah, no one, no one on Elm Street ever had kids after this. Yes, exactly. These are the last kids on the Elm Street somehow. And they all ended up at this hospital at this time. So that's why. And then she goes on saying that the parents burned Freddy and kind of gives them a little bit of the backstory um, of Freddy as well. So this is when they do the hypnotherapy to kind of go into this dreamland. So yeah. at first they didn't think it works, but then they realized the dreamland is working now. So yeah, with the balls floating around. Yes, with the balls floating which around, which is a kind of a cool little animated effect where the balls are flat floating around and they're like, "Oh, we're actually in our dreams." Yes. So this is also one of my other favorite parts in this movie as well too. Our boy Joey, the wet dream master himself, sees the nurse that he was flirting with at the time. So he liked this blonde nurse. And of course, the blonde nurse didn't like him. I think the blonde nurse was shacked up with this other weird nurse. I didn't bring this up. So there's this other orderly guy. Remember the guy with like the like the like the mullet, the black mullet who like who like try to like corner Tina and like try to like do a bunch of drugs with him. Like that character is yeah. the most random character. Like he was only there to bring up Tina's backstory of her doing drugs, and that's it. That's all the last we saw of him. Yes. So, so, so Joey follows the blonde uh, because the blonde is uh, the blonde nurse is like uh, taunting him to come into the room with him. So, and then they're in this. Obviously, we figure out they're all in Dreamlands now. They all do their special talent, where Will's talent is he can walk and he's a wizard. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Kincaid's talent is he's strong in his dream, and so. I guess Christian's talent was she's a gymnastic girl who could do lucha libre. I guess so. Like she's like all of a sudden like a really good gymnast or something. Yeah. Maybe that was something that was in her. Uh, uh, well, actually, that's not really her only ability. Her other ability, remember, is that she could pull people in and out of her dreams. Yes. So that's why Nancy said like she's like very important. Right. Because she can like physically pull people in and out. But right. so I guess on top of that, like she our plan from the first movie. Like we're going to try and pull Freddie out of our dream and then uh, and kill him. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So she has that talent. Plus, she can do Lucha Libre as well. So. Right. Very nice. Um, so during this time, Joey, like a lot of us during his age, uh, has having this wet dream about this nurse. And this actor, I don't know, he had to love doing this scene over and over again because he gets this hot blonde nurse all over him. And, like, he's probably begging for more takes. You know what I mean? Because this girl yeah, exactly. was just, like, shut up naked in front of him, fucking kissing up on him and stuff. I don't know how old this dude was at this time, but I know if I was him, I was like, okay, I think we got to do another take. Let's, let's keep doing these takes. And eventually, the nurse with her tongue starts uh, rapping... I guess she's spitting her Freddy tongue and he wraps him into some bondage on the bed. And we find out that the nurse is actually Freddy and our boy Joey is now tied up in the bed and then the bed disappears and it's just a pit of lava underneath him. Yes, he's he's chained up to the lava pit. Yes. On the floor, yeah. By the Freddy uh, nurse. Um, yeah, the Freddy uh, pedophile nurse. And actually, when I was watching it... Um, well, anyway, we'll just move on. 
Yeah, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. So during this time, the kids realize you know, they're in a dream, and then they realize, oh, fuck, Freddy's nearby because the room starts to get very hot. So a lot of, so one of Freddy, I guess Freddy's power in the dreams, besides killing people in their dream, is he can make any area of the dream hot. Like, he can burn anything. He can make any room hot. And apparently, he can close the doors on him as well. So the well, more... yeah. I thought the hot the hot thing was just like a reference to him being burned. Yeah, but it's like it's like, it's, you know, like he was burned, so now he 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 that's like an aspect of what his powers are. Yes, and it's in every movie too, with him getting like burning up rooms and melting things. Right. So they all realize they're in this dream. They're all like getting attacked, and they're trying to like figure out how to break through this door. And eventually, the ner- the doctor Simon's the the I, I'm pretty sure she was a doctor. She dressed like a nurse the whole time, but it said Dr. Simon's on there. So she burst through the door and she sees them all passed out. And of course she goes to Joey. Joey's not waking up at all because he's still stuck in his dream. Everybody else wakes up. They talk to the, uh, the main doctor guy who shows up over there and he fires Neil and Nancy for doing this unplanned session and using these experimental drugs on everybody. And this guy, Neil, gave up. He's like, all right, there's nothing we can do. I got fired. Fuck it. You know? Well, well uh, do you want to go out later or something? <laughs> that's right. Like, he gave up quick. He was like, oh, fuck it. We, what, what can we do? We can't do anything. And, of course, we get another scene. Him outside. He drops a picture of the kids. And then he sees the nurse in the abandoned hospital building beside him. And this is when we get the backstory of Freddy Cougar during this time. And this is a pretty crazy backstory. Like, I mean, it's a little little disturbing. I kind of give him credit for, like, some disturbing back scenes. So apparently, the hospital that they were in that's abandoned got abandoned in the 40s because this is where they used to keep the criminally insane all in this one hospital, like, psych ward. And this sister got trapped in there one day and this is coming from this movie okay this is coming from the nurse herself saying that this girl got raped a hundred times by each hundred times a hundred times by each and every psycho in the ward and she was there for like four days so these guys were fucking pumping it out <laughs> I mean, fuck. and through that through these hundred psycho people raping this this um this nurse that's when freddy krueger was born so I'm not sure if, okay, I'm not sure if all the semen kind of like formed into one semen and that's how Freddy was born or if like we, some guy had like stronger semen than the other one. But apparently in this movie, all the criminally insane people who are in there, they had a magic semen ball together and that created Freddy. Yeah, I guess we'll never know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I was like okay because she, she said like all they, they took the traits from every person who raped her I was like well fuck how does that not work but I guess but, did, did she say that yes yeah, she said she said I'm pretty sure she said that it wasn't just one psycho it was like this whole group of psychos and, and then Freddy Cougar took the whole group psychos uh, traits into like the baby so and then that's when Freddy Cougar obviously went on and killed the kids and then he got burnt and they talked about that story too. But they, yeah. they brought up the, the, the mother's name was Amanda, Amanda Cougar. So Yes, Amanda Cougar. Yes. And then the nurse kind of gives 
Neil hint like, hey, you should probably go find like Freddy's bones and like give it a proper burial. Like that probably would help. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, I never thought about that before. So let's see if we can go find him. So apparently to stop Freddy Cougar, we have to find his bones. We have to put holy water on it and we have to give him a proper burial. But yeah, we'll we find... have to bury him in, in holy ground or something like that. Well, I'm not sure if it was holy ground because where they were trying to bury him was just some random car lot, which we'll get to. <laughs> 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 so there's like, I think they had to bring the holy water to make it like holy ground or something. Mm-hmm. So after this, um, Neil goes to Nancy and he's like, hey, I think I got a way for us to beat Freddy Cougar. We got to find his bones. Do you know anybody that might like know like how to find his bones? And she's like, I think I got the guy for you. So we go. And then during this time too, when this is happening, uh, Simons is taking over the hospital and she does not, this girl, this this is like one of the worst doctors ever. She did not listen to these kids. She didn't get any like help. She's like, okay, you kids are freaking out. Go to sleep. Well, I can't go to sleep. I got killed. Well, fuck it. You're going to have to go to the... I'm going to make you go to sleep then. So Christian's freaking out. And the nurse says, you're going to go into the ward, the, the special ward to fall asleep. So when these kids would freak out, they would send them into like this, like a sanus and they would give them a drug to force them to go to sleep. And of course, they freaked out because they know they're going to die if they go to sleep. Right. And they kept saying, you're going to fucking kill me if I go to sleep. Stuff like that. So this is when we get the scene of Nancy and Neil meeting up with Nancy's dad. Yes, our boy Donald has made a comeback in this film. What do you think of Donald coming back to this film? Uh, I was surprised at this too, actually. Yeah. Uh, John Saxon's back in the movie. Um, but it makes sense, though, because, I mean, you know, he's the only person that would know, you know, where they buried Freddy's body. Yep, you got it. And he, so basically his character in this was, he is still a cop, but he is a cop who is depressed. He is like a drunk cop, and he has a bad relationship with his daughter. Now, he still doesn't believe in the myth of Freddy. So I'm not sure, like, when he saw his, like, wife get, like, sucked down into that bed, what he was thinking. But he was obviously thinking that this shit is not real or something. Yeah, it was suicide. Yeah, it was suicide. Somehow she <laughs> somehow she conjured up some sort of spirit to drag her down into the bed and for her bones to like disappear, but it was suicide. Okay, we got you. So he is still not believing about Freddie, and Nancy's trying to convince him, and obviously they have a strained relationship. And she's begging him, hey, just show me where these bones are. Do you want to see me again? He's like, I'm not going to show you. Get the fuck out of here. You know. And then during this... They get, uh, you like this one, Neil, he gets a page. Major, remember those pagers back in the day? Yeah, which that probably was like the height of technology at the time. You know, in 1987, yeah. a pager was probably like a big deal. Did you ever have a pager? No, I never had a pager. So the only thing I remember about pagers, because that's a little bit before my time, was um, the episode of Monday Night Raw where Austin pages rock. And it says like Austin 316 on there. Then he gives him a stunner and he turns around. Right. I thought that part, I thought that was like the best pager type of pager, scene I've ever seen. Pager. Like, <laughs> I remember people having pagers and like, why would you want a pager if you weren't like a professional of some kind? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, why I mean, would I want this person like, you know, 
say, telling me to call them. Like, I mean, it was the uh, it was the birth of like text messaging in a way because I may say the pager would be like, "Hey, this person needs you to call them." You know, instead right. of like now where we could just text each other back and forth words. This one was like, "Hey, like if we if we were doing this show in 1987, John, I probably would have paged you and be like, "Hey, you ready?" <laughs> or no, yeah, I'd be like, paged "Call." Me, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'd have paged yeah, you. Page me to call on our landline. Yeah, yeah, or a landline. Our landline phone. I don't know if I can even hook up a landline to this thing, but you know, it's possible. <laughs> So during this, um, Neo gets paged by um, Tina. All right, and and Tina's like, "Hey, I know you guys got fired and everything, but I need you to come back to the hospital and need <laughs> 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 to save Tristan. You might not have access to this hospital, but don't worry, we have our boy Max. He'll let you in. Don't worry about but it. Max will let anybody in. Right? Yeah, yeah. So don't worry about it. All right. And he's like, "Okay, fuck." And then 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 um, uh, Tina and uh, then um. Nancy and uh, Neil, they decide, like, um, Neil wants Nancy to go back to the hospital and help him, while Neil will force our boy Donald to give him the bones. So we dispert during this time. So we get Donald, um, we get um, Neil talking to Donald, but, like, he grabs him, but, like, listen, you might not give a fuck about Nancy. I do. I need these fucking bones. And then Donald's like, okay, fuck, I'll take you there. And then during this time, Nancy rushes back to the hospital because she has a plan. Alright, so she gets to the hospital, this is where we get the scene of Max that we talked about, where she just comes up to Max, and she's like, hey, I need to come in, he's like, Dr. Simons didn't get me access for anybody to see her, Kristen at all, especially not you, and she's like, well, come on, he's like, I can't do it, he's like, okay, well, can I at least say bye to the kids, and he's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because... What's, what's going to happen? Because you're probably not lying to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck. I mean, like, fuck, I was like, you know, I made, I made like five bucks an hour here, okay? Just go back there and be quick, all right? I fucking, I got this red pill to take, okay? So get the fuck out of here. <laughs> all right? So, so Nancy comes in and she meets with the remaining kids, which we have Will. We, okay, so during this time too, Joey he's still locked up in his wet dream. Okay, he's still like fucking locked up. So they didn't. So now they have to save Joey and they have to save Kristen during this time. So Nancy she meets with Will, Kincaid, and Tina. Okay, and then she's like, "Hey, I'm here. What's up, guys? Hey, we all need to go into our dreams. Listen, guys, you might die during this. You probably will die, especially you, Tina, and you will probably will too. But." Let's go in here and let's try to save them. Are you with me? Yeah, we're with you. Okay. So they all go into their dreamland now. So, and then during this time, we get Donald taking Neil to the, where they kept, <laughs> so where they kept Freddy's bones, these, all these years, is in a, uh, a car junk lot. And they kept it in a back of a red trunk. Yeah, and a, and a, yeah. So they never actually buried the bones. They just put them in the back of this Cadillac yeah. in a junkyard. Yes, and they're deep into the junkyard as well too. So they go out into the junkyard to go find the bones. Which so is still there after the probably twenty years that they uh, when they killed Freddy. So, I mean, I'm guessing this is not a junkyard where people go and find parts because managing. So imagine going up to this car and like, oh yeah, I'll take this trunk part right here. Okay, get it back. Oh shit! There's some fucking crazy bones in here. <laughs> so right, cause oh, because that's what a junkyard is for. Like you go there and you buy you buy parts for yeah. your car. But apparently, no nobody does that here. Yeah. Or uh, you know, they've just never bought any parts from this Cadillac. 
Yeah, exactly. So here it just like it's just like parts that we just have hanging out for decoration. So during this time too, um, before they get get to the junkyard, um, Neil goes and collects holy water and a cross, and he gets caught by a preach a preacher and he gives him his ID, which I, yeah. So that's just that's just showing that he's doing what the Merce, the sister Mary said to get of the holy water and stuff to try to beat Freddy. Right. So I thought this scene actually made sense because yeah. you know he's he gets caught like trying to steal because people actually do steal stuff from Catholic churches a lot because, oh, yeah. or they try to because stuff in Catholic churches is usually pretty viable because yeah. it has a lot of like precious metals in it and it's old, um, but. Um, but, you know, like this actually made sense to me. So the priest like catches him, but then lets him take the cross or the crucifix because, you know, you, you can tell that he actually needs it for something. So he gives him his ID and he takes the crucifix and leaves. Yep. He also grabbed that good old holy water, too. And the holy water and the liquor bottle. Yeah. So, so since the kids are in the dreamland. Now, I thought um, the scene with the Tina was pretty cool when this part came up. So she is in uh, an 80s punk street alley. And behind her was a uh, Tina and Neil, I mean, a Tina and Freddie love peace sign. And this is when we get Freddie coming out like a homeless guy. And then they start both doing a knife fight during this time. Because yeah. Tina's power, or not Tina, uh, what's her name? Uh, Tina. This is Tina? Oh, yeah. So, anyway, Tina's power is that she's a punk rocker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's her power is, like, she's a punk, yes. A punk rocker, a punk rocker with knives. who can fight with knives. Yeah. Yes, you got it. I um, mean, then during this time, they start fighting everything, and this is when uh, Freddie does the line, like, why are you fighting to be against uh, Tina? We were supposed to be friends. We're, we're friends. And then he has the claws of, the the famous claws of the needles in his hand, and then this is when we see the the Nino marks of Tina coming out like little like creatures in her arm, and then he yeah. injects her with the Freddy poison, and uh, that character is now Kaboosh. All right, so also too we get a scene with Christian as well, because she has fallen asleep. So, um, so when everybody does fall asleep, they all meet up together, and then when they meet up in Christian's room, this is when Freddy attacks and gets them all split up. So once they split up, that's when we get the Tina scene with the drugs and everything. The next scene we get is Christian, and we're, we are um, reliving the first movie over here. Uh, not the first movie, but we're living the first scene of the movie of her mom coming in, um, her making the house, saying that we listen hear the bourbon. Listen to Dawkins, yep. Listen to some Into the Fire from our boy Dawkins. And then um, she is getting put to sleep by her mom in this part. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, Freddie grabs the mom, saying, "Where the fuck's the bourbon, bitch?" And he cuts <laughs> off the. <laughs> and he cuts her head off. Like I love this scene. Yeah, this scene was great. Yeah. Bird, bitch. Yeah, and then he just shows her head, and the mom's talking about how of a disappointment she is and stuff. And then Christian freaks out. So, I thought that part was pretty well. Oh, um, there was a part that we uh, skipped to, which I'm gonna have to talk about right now. So the first interaction with Kristen and Freddie was Kristen going through Freddie's house and it was kind of like a haunted house so like there's a bunch of stuff going on during the time where there was like um you know mirror stuff going on the house is warm and everything she's going to different rooms and eventually the rug attacks her 
And then through that rug, we see a huge, like, snake-like Freddy claw onto her and, like, try to, like, absorb Christian. And then this is when Nancy uses her special uh, dream drug, and she, like, goes into the dream and finds her. And then Freddy sees Nancy for the first time and says, you, and then she starts attacking Freddy, and then she rescues Christian. So we figured out that Nancy's drug actually does work. They can go in and out of dreams during this whole time. So... I thought that scene was pretty cool with the big snake-like looking Freddy Krueger looking deal. Yeah, that looked really cool. Okay, so this is when we get um, the other. So they break it down. for see, Freddy's basically attacking <clears throat> one kid at a time because he brought him <clears throat> to like a couple different areas. So we have Christian's scene of getting mm-hmm. attacked by Freddy. We have Tina's scene about getting attacked by Freddy. Now we have Will. Will is in a hallway now. He sees a jacked-up Road Warrior-looking uh, wheelchair with a bunch of knives and shit on it. And then you see yeah. Freddy. This this one's pretty cool, too. So we actually saw a couple cool shots of Freddy in the background, kind of like a, we don't see his whole figure. We kind of see a little silhouette of him. And this is when he attacks Will with the wheelchair. And this is when Will uses his wizard powers. So he has turned into some sort of wizard man guy. And yeah. he knocks off the wheelchair and he starts attacking Freddy with some like green lightning and shit. <laughs> and then when when he goes up to like attack Freddy, Freddy actually grabs him, says, I don't believe in fairy tales. And then he fucking guts our boy Will. So that takes care of him. So what do you think about Will? Will scene over here. Uh, I thought that was really cool. That's the scene with the uh, animation, right? Yes, with the, like the, yeah. the green lightning animation. I yeah, thought it was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. really cool. Like it just it was just old school style animation. It just looked it looked really cool. Yes. So during Which this... nowadays that would be done with like CG and it would look all shitty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'd definitely be like CGI and all that stuff. So this is also too when we we meet up with um Christian and we meet up with Nancy. And then mm-hmm. they're in like this like kind of like kids looking room and our boy Kincaid busts through the room and he's happy to see everybody. So we got all three characters back, all three surviving characters back and they they now we have Kincaid trying to call out Freddy saying, where the fuck are you, Krigger? I'm going to fucking beat you up and everything. Basically just being yeah. like a, a tough guy. Yeah, because the... Because the black character is, of course, the tough street kid, right? Yes, the tough street kid who cannot be beaten. He is strong. They get a door. A door appears. We go through the door. All right, and then through this door is we are now into the Freddy Cougar boiler room lair. So, who do you think is more iconic with boiler rooms? Is it Freddy or is it Mankind? No, I was gonna say it's it's mankind. I think, but Freddy's a oh. close second, though. It's true. I was about to say this is the uh, boiler room match. So I I I still prefer the Undertaker versus Mankind boiler room fight than the fight that we got over here. For sure. Because this fight was basically we see Joey. He's still hang up. He's he's still there, like tongued and everything, and he's just. So this kid has to be like, fuck, I'm in fucking, I got tricked. I was supposed to have this wet dream with this hot nurse, and now I'm fucking sitting up and about to get killed. So Freddy shows up. Nancy goes to rescue Joey because he's like, hey, let Joey go. And then Freddy's like, your wish is my command. So he lets Joey go. Nancy tries to save him, grabs him. We get um, Christian doing a bunch of Lucha Libre drop kicks on Freddy. And they start fighting. 
And then eventually, Kincaid helps out Nancy, rescue Joey. And then we get um, uh, Kincaid, or I think it was Christian, stabbing Freddy with the pole. And then it doesn't work because Freddy takes out the pole. We get Nancy saying, hey, this Freddy Krueger is stronger than the one I used to deal with in the first movie. And then we get Freddy ripping on his shirt and we see a bunch of souls of kids. So Freddy is stronger now because he has a bunch of souls of kids in his armor. And that's how he is super strong and cannot be beat even in his dreams right now. During this, during this also too, we have the side story of Donald and Neil finding Freddy's bones. They find his bones in the Cadillac. I I swear, like, maybe it's like my mind now is still like in like this swerve territory. I swear I thought Donald was going to kill Neil before he opened up the trailer. Like, he looked like he was... I did too. I mean, I I did too. But I think that's like the... uh the wrestling in us like this was going to be a swerve and yes. he's going to turn heel on don yes or like he was like working with freddie this whole time or something but no like he was just sitting there like worried pops yeah. up in the trailer gets the bones donald tries to leave neil has the keys they start digging up the hole putting the bones on there putting the holy water gonna about to put the holy one on there then during this scene because we're still in the boiler room freddie is showing his ultimate power he gets worried and he just vanishes and apparently he, somehow, he can now vanish and turn into his bones in real life. I guess because he has the power to turn into Bone Freddy now? Skeleton Freddy? Well, yeah. I, yeah. I, I try not to think about this scene too hard. But yeah, he's like, so this is actually Freddy Krueger's body, which is now animated, I suppose. Yes. With, with really cool stop motion animation. So I thought that looked really Yeah, cool. it kind of reminded me of... Um, didn't they do this like scene kind of like an army of darkness with um, the skeletons fighting fighting in the army? Yeah, it was the same the same effect. It was the same technology. It was just stop motion animation, yeah. you know, where they make a model and they move it a little bit at a time. Yes, like they move it a little bit and take a picture, and move a little bit and take a picture, and then they put it all together to make a to make an animation, which they also did from. Uh, so Sam Raimi got that from uh, uh, Jason and the Argonauts, which is a. You know, Ray Harryhausen special effects uh, thing from the 60s. Um, so there's a scene in there where the main character sword has a sword fight with a skeleton. Yes. Um, so that's where that came from. But yeah, that's the same effect. Yeah, that was, I thought that looked pretty cool. And then, so Freddy's skeleton pretty much kills Donald. So there goes that character. He throws him to a spike. Boom, Donald character's gone. And then he starts fighting with Neil, and eventually knocks out Neil, knocks him out, and then Neil falls into the grave itself. And then uh, Freddy's bones just crumple because Freddy is now going back into his dreamland. So during this, Kincaid, Christian, Nancy, and Joey have now escaped, and they go into a room with a bunch of mirrors. And then Freddy shows up in all the mirrors saying, did you miss me? And then he starts to grab each character into the mirrors to separate him because I'm pretty sure in order to get his powers and to use them, he has to separate all the characters because if all the characters are together, they're more powerful than they are separated. Right. And then we find out that Joey has a power besides having uh, wet dreams. He actually has a loud, annoying voice as well. Yes, because he's a character who can't speak. So he has the opposite of that in his dream. Exactly. So he screams and breaks all the mirrors and then they're all safe up there together (laughs) and then so this part was a little weird too 
So during this time, after Joey uses his very cr loud voice, um, kind of like a who, who's a Marvel character that had that voice, the shockwave type of voice. Uh, you're thinking of Banshee from the X Men. Yes. So he's basically Banshee. Yeah. And all the mirrors break and separate, and everybody's safe together. And then Nancy's like, "Oh, well, fuck, we won." I'm like, hey, Freddy's gone. Hey, we won, everybody. I was like, wait, 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 what? What did I miss? All you did was break a bunch of mirrors. How, how the fuck did you know if you killed Freddy or not? Right. So, and then this really weird scene. This 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 reminded me of like something that came out of like Masters of the Universe. Donald shows up. Like he time warps. <laughs> Freaking comes down like fucking um, like uh, uh, Mary Poppins. Fucking, did you see that scene? Like fucking comes in like Mary Poppins and just shows up and be like, I have... I have come to the dreamland, Nancy. I forgive you. Uh, I know Freddy was real now. I forgive you on everything. Yes. And then Nancy is like, yeah. oh, my fucking dad died, but I, I, he forgives me now, so everything's all fine. <laughs> I'm just like, right. Well, but does she, does she know he's dead at this point, though? Well, I mean, I don't know, because he just shows up in the dreamland, and we know he showed, but he showed up somehow when he died, but they didn't explain if he was dreaming or not. So I, I was a little confused about this scene. I couldn't tell, like, okay, maybe I know we got we saw him get stabbed to death, you know, with that spike in, in the in the um in the junkyard. And then he just shows up like fucking Mary Poppins and then they start having like this warm conversation together and then he turns into Freddy. So maybe maybe he is maybe maybe it was just a fake it was a fake Donald. It wasn't like a real Donald. But I don't know what Nancy was thinking at the time. She's just thinking like Okay, I think I got it. Nancy was probably thinking that he, that Donald took or went to sleep and somehow showed up into the dreamland. He extended to the, he believed in his mind he could show up in the dreamland now. And then it, but it was a trick. Donald turned into Freddy and started stabbing away at Nancy. And then during this, then we get a fight scene with Christian fighting Freddy. And then Neil wakes up, puts the bones in the grave. Pours the holy water, does the cross gimmick on him, and then Freddy, like, vanishes, or, like, starts to glow a little bit and starts vanishing. And then they realize that they are now awake, and then we get a funeral for Nancy. So the Nancy character has been finished off in this movie. Yes. For now. For now. Now, like I said, we're still looking at this at 1987 eyes. I am not sure if she comes back during the sequels. We will figure that out if we revisit them coming back here in a little bit. But this is also too when they had the funeral for Nancy. We see Neil, rest of the kids over there. Neil sees the nurse, walks over, sees the Amanda Kruger, and he's like, oh shit, that freaking crazy nurse was Amanda this whole time. And then we get Neil back at home. For some reason, Neil kept the doll that Nancy had, and then she he took Christian's paper mache house. We see a light coming from the house, and then we cut the Dream Warriors, which is a great song. Yeah. So, and the, there's a glow from the house, so Freddy's not necessarily gone. Yes. So, uh, so this this one definitely was fun. Like I had a lot of fun watching this movie. A lot of the the creepy scenes, like the death scenes, really cool. Um, there was a couple really cool like hallway shots, a lot of haunted house looking shots as well too. So I definitely say this is like definitely one of the most like entertaining Nightmare on Elm Streets that we've seen so far. Yeah, this movie is actually pretty good. Like I was surprised how much I liked it. Yeah. 
Um, I thought it would just be like, like, you know, I mean, you know, we've had this conversation before when we've talked about movies is that I always, I hate, I hate horror movie sequels, especially like I feel, cause I feel like they make a joke out of the original concept, you know, like Friday the 13th is a great movie, but by the time you get to Friday the 13th part, well, really even six, it just gets like. Well, you, I, it just it becomes like a parody of itself. You didn't like him in New York? <laughs> no, I, I like those movies, and I even like the one where he get, where Jason goes into space. But yeah. like you you couldn't like a normal person who doesn't watch horror movies couldn't watch you know Jason Takes Manhattan and say oh well, that's a work of art right there like I could or like you could yeah. But the first Friday the Thirteenth movie or the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie even you could watch that and say wow that's artistic that's a work of art that's a that's a statement that's a you know, that's an art piece right there. Yeah. Well, you know, movies like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, even Hellraiser. You know, the first movies are always going to be like the standard bearer. They're, yeah. they're always going to be what the sequel is going to refer to. Like, even if there's like a three or four sequels, they're always going to revert back to the first movie. Because the first movie was like the standard bearer of the actual series. So, when I was watching this movie, I mean, you can pretty much just kick out number two. Like, you didn't even have to watch number two. You can come straight to the first Iron Man on the street and then just watch this one. So, yeah, for sure. And they, they did that with a couple other films as well, too. But it was, like, very obvious with this one. But, you know, so basically if you skip number two, it's like you're not, you're not missing anything. You know? So, you're, yeah, not, you're missing not missing anything, anything at all. in the storyline. So, but, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 down. Dream Warriors. Pretty great. Pretty great movie. Got my boy Duncan on there, jamming it out. Got some great wrestling. But uh, we're about to be signing off over here. Thanks, everybody, so for what, joining. Uh, Go ahead. What, do you th- what do you think we're going to do next week? I don't know, man. We can either keep the Nightmare on Elm Street train going, or we can do something new. What do you think? I'm a little torn on that. Um... Let's go ahead and finish out the Nightmare series. Yeah, because we only got one not, more left. Not all of it, but just like in the, the 80s ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be doing the 80s one. Yeah, because we're, uh, we're retro blood. We're a 1980s horror podcast. So, yeah, we're going to do that. Yep, yep. But we'll do it, man. Nightmare on Elm Street 4 hitting up there. So, we will, we will see you guys back. And just remember, if you take one of those experimental psychedelic drugs... Be sure not to have a wet dream during them because you'll definitely not get the right kind of tongue that you're looking for. For sure, it ends badly. It ends badly. Oh, yeah.